You're listening to a sermon from Mission Ridge Church. Hang around after the message to learn more about Mission Ridge. Sermon notes for this message, or any of our other messages, can be found on our mobile app. Just search for Mission Ridge Church in Google Play or the App Store. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so we are talking about coronating a king. Hopefully by the end of this thing, Jesus ends up being coronated as a king. Spoiler alert, he does. Um, <clears throat> but if you remember, we talked about the four pillars. We've been talking about the four pillars of Roman society, uh, Greco-Roman society. The education, health, entertainment, and competition. Those are all, uh, those are the things that really kind of make their society tick, if you will. Um, that's what, uh, that's what they value. These are their, maybe like unity and diversity is our core value. Their core values are as a society are these four. <clears throat> Last week, Rob talked about Jesus being a teacher and Mark in writing his gospel is coming, came in and, uh, utilizes these four pillars and kind of subverts them, shows how Jesus shows up and, He's the ultimate teacher. And then this week, we're looking at working our way down the list. We've got health, healthcare, healer. We see Jesus as the healer. Now, this is scattered all through the book of Mark. It's all over the place. Jesus is healing people left and right. And because it's so short, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago in Concise, it just happens over and over and over again. And Mark kind of makes a big deal out of this, especially at the beginning. <clears throat> we see Jesus showing up as the healer consistently. So we're going to start today. There's a fair amount of passages that we're going to try to get through. So I'm going to try not to get distracted in the weeds. We're going to see what sort of big implications that we can pull out of this as we look at Jesus being a healer. <clears throat> started off in Mark chapter one. It's a good place to start. Uh, towards the end of it though, 29 through 34. Uh, and immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew. This is Jesus and all the disciples with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand and the fever left her and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. Word gets out, people start bringing all the, this happens over and over, word gets out and people start, oh, what, Jesus is healing people? They start bringing people to him. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. <clears throat> Jesus lived to bring healing. When we were asking that question, kind of what, what was the purpose of Jesus's life? You know, it, it's more than just his birth and his death, right? It's, it's more than that. His time here on earth, his ministry here on earth, what is the purpose of that? What is, what is the purpose of that sort of, what does that play in the gospel? Jesus lived to bring healing and to show what that looks like in our lives, Jesus was not only interested in healing people physically, though. 
but we see him healing people spiritually also. It's because they're, they're, there's a reason why they're pairing this together, the healing and the demon. He's revoking demons. He's casting those out. There's a reason that kind of gets paired together in a lot of these stories. Jesus is healing the inside along with the physical ailments of the outside. In fact, I would go so far as to say that sometimes that seems like the more important focus to Jesus. He's more concerned with the inside. Let's look at this story. You're probably familiar with this one. This is maybe his most famous healing story out of Mark 2. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no longer any room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven, as you want to hear when you're paralyzed. That's the (laughs) obvious one, right? Maybe not so much. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. You see it in their faces. Hate to play poker with Jesus. (laughs) Just wouldn't work. (laughs) They were saying in their hearts, why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You got this perplexed look on their face. What the heck? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit they were re- that they were reasoning that way with them, within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, then, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out of the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. And make a note here worth jotting down. Jesus has the authority to heal what ails you. That's surface level. Like it's obvious. Not only the physical but the spiritual. Jesus sees this guy, this paralytic guy, and, and this is also, this is kind of fun fact. When back in that time, they would view physical afflictions, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of religious people would view that as God was punishing you. It was some sort of curse. If you were born blind, well, what did your parents do that made God so mad that you were, you were born blind, right? This is how they would a lot of times look at that. And so Jesus starts with, your sins are forgiven. He starts in this spiritual place. And then cherry on top, he follows it up with, yeah, go ahead and you can walk now. That's a thing. Another one in Mark 2, when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors... They said to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, 
but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. This one, this is interesting because Jesus is drawing this parallel. He's using, Jesus is so smart. He's using this physician thing. Like, it's like he's, he, he, knows, he knows his audience even further down the road. He's like, let me use a physician analogy. So Mark, when he's penning his gospel, can be like, let me talk about Jesus the healer, right? Oscalopius ain't got nothing on this guy. He's alluding to the healing that those are broken on the inside. He's saying, I'm here for the people that are broken on the inside. I'm not here just to work some cool miracles and make, and, and make you know, dead people rise even. I'm here for the broken on the inside. I'm here to heal the whole person. <clears throat> Mark 3. <clears throat> He entered again into a synagogue and a man, this is Jesus who's entering into the synagogue and a man whose hand was withered. Uh, there was a man there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. They being the Pharisees. It's a little confusing. Mark's like not taking the time to actually state who's in this. So you got to piece it together a little bit, but they are the Pharisees so that they might accuse him. They want to catch Jesus stumbling up because they, they see Sabbath and they hold Sabbath in such high regard. And apparently healing somebody would be work. That's going to go against their, their mode of doing Sabbath. And they think that you really have to, Sabbath is high and mighty and you got to follow this to the letter. And I don't want to like cast shade on them. Like they're, they had good reasons for that. They're just a little transfixed. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And then he said to them, the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save life or to kill? Oof, that's not an easy question. He kind of checkmated him there because there, there's Sabbath laws of like, yeah, if your neighbor's donkey falls in a ditch, you're supposed to help your neighbor, Right. What are you supposed to do? The good Samaritan sort of thing situation. If that falls on Sabbath, it'd be kind of work to help. Like, I'm not supposed to walk that far, but what do I do? Which one's more important? These two laws are going to contradict themselves. And you have to say, this is the order of importance. So Jesus hits the Pharisees with this, but they kept silent after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. I think Mark writes this down really interesting. He's, Jesus is both angry and the reason for that anger is this, he's grieved in his heart at their hardness of their hearts. He's grieved that they're so uncaring. They're more concerned over catching him slipping up than they are this person. And they're willing to use this person's suffering to catch him up. They want to entrap him by using his own compassion. Feels wrong. Feels wrong. But they're so transfixed on, no, this needs to be, this is the way our world is set. This is the way things are. 
Jesus heals anyway, and he flips their own rules on them. And I feel like out of this story, a little mini implication that we could pull out here is make sure that you never let your religiosity try and get in the way of Jesus bringing about healing in somebody. We should never let our our righteous, like our follow, our adherence to a religious code get in the way of what God is doing. Cause sometimes God's like, that's not the most important thing. Don't let your religiosity, it's a word, I think, get in the way of Jesus bringing about healing in somebody's life. I don't care if Zach's wearing a hat in church. continue on here. Jesus teaching in Nazareth later on, just a little further on in chapter six. Jesus is teaching in Nazareth and the people are not, this is his hometown. So this is like me going back to little old Hagerman and talking about something. And people are like, isn't that just like Logan, that, that guy from, you remember, like we got him in the yearbook. We, we remember that guy, right? That goofball. They're like, isn't, isn't that like the son of Joseph, the carpenter? What, what, what is, what is he doing? Like who gave him the authority to speak like this and teach like this? He's crazy. Get out of here, Jesus. So they're, they're not, they're not receptive. They take offense. They're actually offended by him. And we pick it up in verse four. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. So even amongst my own household and my own relatives and my own hometown. I'm not getting any honor here. Kind of calling them out. Uh, it doesn't really say how they react to that. Oh, maybe he said that internally. <clears throat> and he could do no miracle there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. This is important. We'll get back to this a little bit more in a second here, but this is important. Take note of how Jesus is still able to heal in this place, despite their unbelief. He's able to heal the physical, at least. Despite their unbelief. Once again, I think the order of like magnitude, what was more important, Jesus healing the spiritual, what was the bigger thing that he was more concerned with? Like, ah, sure, yeah, you can walk now withered hand, no big deal, eyesight to the blind, right? That's nice. He's more concerned with the inside and their unbelief. He's not able to do anything with that there in that town. And he, and he wondered at their unbelief. I think that's going to be important to us. See, the, the thing here is that Jesus is still the God of healing. Just, he didn't, he never stopped being the God of healing. And it's easy for us to sometimes miss that today, I think. But you know the stories, you know the examples, the miracles, you know people. I'm not talking about the crazy ones. You probably know people in your life that have had miraculous things. And you're like, I don't know how to, <sighs> that doesn't make any sense, right? People are on life support and they're not supposed to live and then they end up recovering. 
That's a fresh one on my mind. <laughs> uh, many of you know Charlie Couch. I believe it's it's one of his grandkids, either a grandkid in law or a grandkid uh, daughter. Uh, uh, granddaughter in law, I, I think. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but she w- she a uh, couple months back ended up in the hospital and things just kept going downhill and it was really I don't remember what she had but it was like a, a cacophony of things and by the end of it like by the time they they got to this like it was around Christmas time like super life support like every major organ was being supported by a machine and there was like doctors saying like there's nothing like there's no this never, you never come off of this, basically. Uh, the last update that I saw on that uh, was a, a picture of her being wheeled out of the hospital. And you're looking at that, and you're like, um, that's how'd that happen? That Jesus is still the God of healing. That's how that happens. Many of us will look at those and we'll try to find some way to explain it. Like, I, I, am, I am just as guilty as this as anybody. Like, my Spock side comes out real hard when it comes to the super, like, crazy spiritual stuff. My Spock side comes out real hard and I'm like, that's illogical. Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I don't know. It's weird, right? I don't know what to do with that. But I, I can tell you, like, despite that, they happen. Maybe not as often as Benny Hinn wants them to, but they happen. The reality of that is I, we're going to end up wanting way more miracles than we ever are going to see. And that's, that sucks. And that's hard. Because there's, there's so much brokenness. We live in a broken world. Tony, you set me up perfect with this. Like, with that, really, it's Merakai with that question. You know, why did, why did God let Adam sin? Like, God loves us enough to give us free will. And then we went and kind of like, we done goofed. And until God's done knitting the world back together, there's going to be brokenness. And I don't understand why. I don't comprehend it, but I know that it's hard and it sucks. But, but I know a couple of things. One, the solution is not to tell people, well, you just got to have more faith. Have you ever heard that one? Well, you're afflicted with this because, well, your faith's just not quite good enough. This isn't working out because, well, you're just... Must have something hidden. Got those unspoken sins, right? That must be it. Or, or your faith's just not strong. You just don't really believe. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Because I can look back to that Nazareth story. I can say that Jesus healed people in a town that didn't believe in him. There was a, there was a total lack of belief. He wasn't able to do anything spiritually with them, but physically that didn't stop him. My opinion, feel free to disagree, but I think God's still God. 
and God's still perfectly capable of doing whatever the heck he wants to do at any given point, and suddenly a girl that should be probably not alive without life support is being wheeled out of the hospital. That's a thing. I don't understand why it doesn't always happen that way. I don't know if I ever will. But I know that God's not done bringing the world back together. He's not done putting things back into place. Jesus came to kick that off, to start putting things back together. And that continues on. And say the kingdom's like here and done. It's coming. It's building. It's coming back. That's where I fall on that. And until that happens, there's still going to be suffering and brokenness. But we have the promise of Christ and we have the promise of his return. I think maybe the way to look at these miracles, to look at Jesus showing up and healing people, the way to look for these things is to see, see them as when we do see that happen, when we do see God showing up, Jesus showing up as the God of healing, when we see that happening, that is a glimpse of what heaven is like. That is a glimpse of what is coming, if you will. That is a glimpse of God putting things back together. Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them, putting the world back together, bringing things back to the garden into the way that they're supposed to be. Into that perfection. And then it finishes with this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. I think when we see those little miracles, when we see that happen, when we see God show up in that way, we can look at that. We could be like, that's a glimpse. That is a glimmer of this. No mourning, no tears, no grieving, no crying or pain. That feels pretty dang good. I like that a lot. And I think this is coming from Mr. Logic, Spock himself. Sometimes looking for these, sometimes seeing these, we don't fully understand them because frankly, like sometimes God's miracle is providing the right doctor at the right time. Sure. Sometimes God's miracle is just the knowledge of how your brain works and no, like the science that we now have. I, I, I firmly believe that's a thing. I, I know there's people in the world that disagree with me. That's fine. I can be right and they can be wrong. It's cool. Uh, but like, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of like, God gives us really cool medicines and some not as cool medicines, but he also gives us really cool medicines that do awesome things. And things continually, they do get better. 
And we know more and in, in, in knowledge of how your brain works and how that, you know, and, that, and how does that show up and affect things? Maybe it's God showing up as a miracle of stopping a surgery. That happens. Uh, you know, and sometimes the miracle is God taking the person to their heavenly home. And I hate that one. I, I don't like that one at all. I'm gonna be honest. It's a glimpse though. It's a glimpse of that. There are other times I just don't know where God's at in the situation. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I just must be, I'm, I don't know, I can't see it. I'm not an infinite God. I don't know everything. I can't see everything. I can't be everywhere. I don't have that. So I don't have the perspective. And as much as it aggravates my hyper-controlling self, I got to be okay with that. Logan just gets to deal. Our second implication is this. You're a fully spiritual and a fully physical being. You're both of these. You know, like part half and half. Fully spiritual, fully physical. You cannot separate the physical needs from the spiritual needs. They are intrinsically tied together. These are both wildly important. And we see this in Jesus showing up and healing people. The spiritual is maybe even more important than the physical in some cases or most cases. I think Jesus is interested in your spiritual health. Now this one, I know Jesus works in because I've seen it and because I've experienced it. Jesus works on your spiritual health all the time if you let him. Asterisk, if you let him. When you're angry, when you're hurt, depressed, anxious, stressed, grieved, bereft, broken. I love the word bereft. That's such a good word. Bereft or broken. Jesus wants to meet you in that and he wants to heal you. I know that. Now, me personally, I've never had that happen overnight. For whatever dumb reason, that seems to always be a process for me. I don't know why. Probably my own darn fault. It's my suspicion. I know other people, they, they have these come to Jesus moments and they're like, they come out the next morning and they're like a bright new shiny car and that took me months. What the heck? They're just cooler than me, I guess. It always seems to take time for me, but I do know that God wants to get in there. Jesus wants to get in there and he wants to heal that. So last year, like about a, it was probably about a year ago. Uh, like, pretty depressed Logan. That was a thing. I don't know if y'all noticed it. Probably. You probably noticed it. It was not super well hidden. Like Logan's walking around like he's got 200 billion pounds on top of his head. It was a thing. Life was heavy. Like Jesus wanted to get in there and he wanted to work on that. And there was a lot of different ways 
there was a therapist, there was some friends, there was some scripture, there was some time in prayer, there's some worship, there's all of these different things, and Jesus wants to get in there, and he wants to work on that. I'm not saying that that just, like, everybody, every case of depression, like, for me, that's the thing. The anger, where I'm like, frustrated at everything, and God's like, hmm, okay, can I, could, can I get in? Could, can I do something with that? And Logan, what I realize now is it's kind of like Logan gets to either be like Nazareth, where I'm like, no, who gave you? No. Or maybe I could be like a paralytic man, be like, please lower me through the ceiling. It's kind of, there's a little bit of that, it's that choice thing again. God loves me enough to give me my own free will and control over that. Am I willing to let Jesus get in and do the spiritual healing? The crazy part is that when your spiritual health changes, a lot of times your physical health follows. That's a thing. I'm not a scientist. I don't play one on TV. But I know a couple, and they tell me that that's the case. They're like, that affects your body. Your outlook, your soul, your spirit affects your body, they're intrinsically connected. Leads me to think that maybe spend some time with Jesus, lower your blood pressure. Another asterisk, that has not been tested by the FDA. Don't sue me. Don't at me. It's a thing. Threw out some possible, I was like, well, we should probably talk about some tangible, like, tangible ways, like what could that actually look like? Some ways to spend some time with Jesus to get him in there and have him do that spiritual healing. These are simple and you're going to be like, well, those are dumb. Come on. You're supposed to tell me something new, Logan. Well, I'm sorry. They, they still work. Prayer. Like, come on. Now I'm the world's worst prayer. I will claim that that is not my spiritual gift. There are people that are gifted at intercession. I'm all, I'm, I'm a fan of the two second prayer. Like I am not loquacious contrary to any of my sermons. When I pray, I'm like, mm, yeah, we're done. Right. Somebody kind of need to grow in a little bit probably, but I have been doing this. Uh, I've been doing this thing called a manual prayer journaling and it's, Tell you it's something. Uh, I'm not gonna get into explaining it, but there, there's brain science in it. Once again, I think God gives us that kind of miracle. But spending time in prayer, just not not as like a like I need to do this just because that's what I'm the religiosity that's what I'm supposed to do. But like no, I actually want to spend time with God, and actually be in relationship with Him, and just spend some time with Him. Like that's what the, and, and it opened up some communication there and it's fantastic. Spend some time in prayer. Spiritual healing. Worship. I realize that sounds a little cliche coming from the guy with the guitar, but music has a main line into your brain. Like it is a, it, music goes into your soul in ways that other things do not. It is a thing. 
And there's science that backs that up too. Like this is convenient. There's all of these brilliant people that keep proving me right. You can go look that up. It's a thing. Spend some time in worship. Not just Sunday morning, like just spend some time in worship. And that doesn't have to be singing. If you're not a singer, that's fine. Bethel put on an instrument. They could, the instrumental worship albums. I love those. That's fantastic. Now I don't have anybody clogging it up and I can just hear. It's fantastic. Words are my least favorite part. I never get them right. (laughs) Spend some time in worship. Sabbath. Man, this is like my favorite. This is like the, the, the greatest hits tour here. Sabbath. Spend some time on Sabbath. Stop. Rest in. Delight in. And contemplate your God. Oof. It's good. It's good. It does your soul good. Oh my gosh. Like carve out that time, start practicing that, wrestle with that and figure out how to make that a day with God. Oh, it's so good. Jesus is going to get in there and he's going to do some healing. He's going to put that brokenness together. Lastly, scripture. It would be really cool. It would be really crazy, in fact, if we had some sort of written communication with the creator of the universe. It'd be wild, right? Like, that'd be nuts. Oh, wait. We kind of do. It's right there. Like, like the Bible is boring. No, it's not. I'm sorry, it's just not. Like, if, if, if that chapter's boring, you don't want to read the genealogy, skip that chapter. Okay. Like, it's God talking to you. And, and here's the thing. Like, this is the crazy. It changes. Like, the words don't change. But somehow, like LTG reading, it's always day like four, five, six, maybe seven. Like that's when the that's when the good stuff comes out for me. I'm like, okay, the first couple of days I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I'm reading it. And like the fifth day, I'm like, did I read this? Where did, how did I miss this? It's right there. Oh, well, that was simple. That was a good one. Zach's smiling. He's like, yeah, Zach can confirm. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nuts? Wouldn't, I I just can't imagine what that would be like to have that sort of written communication from God. That'd be wild. It might be that God would be able to show up and spend some time knitting you back together from the inside out. Here's where I want to land the ship. Maybe. Maybe. If I feel like it, I guess. Uh, we live in a time that is a little odd, in my opinion. We live in a time where it's not abnormal for me to look at my friend group and be like, I maybe a majority or at least a sizable portion, if not a majority of my friend group, social circle, people that I know, struggle with some sort of mental illness, whether that be depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, like there's a whole spectrum from like the little itty bitty ones, like little anxiety, little stress up to like multiple personality disorder, crazy stuff. It's a spectrum there. But, and the stats are showing this stuff, like especially post pandemic, 
that's increasing. And the younger generation, that's increasing. And we're all, it's not going away. And I'm going to be honest, something seems wrong in that. Something about that seems amiss to me. I don't think that's, that doesn't sound like any death, no longer any mourning, crying, or pain. It doesn't quite sound like that. That doesn't seem like that's moving in the right direction. My suspicion is that, once again, I'm not saying like mental health stuff, medications, all of that. I'm not like Jesus is the, like just slap some Jesus on it. But I think that's a real important part. I'm saying not, don't use medications or anything like that. Do. I think God gives us those. But I feel like, I think we, we all could use some Jesus the healer about now. We all know somebody if we aren't somebody that could use some of Jesus the healer right now, just from that front, let alone in other areas. So I don't think that this is irrelevant or just Mark was writing to this audience and we're completely different. Healthcare is a, how, how often does healthcare show up in the news where people are arguing over what the best way to go about doing that is, Right? I'm not going to tell you what the best way is, but people argue over it all the time. And that's the part that we should take note of. Maybe it's important to us as a society. Maybe it's something that we care about. You know, I've got the, I've got this hacking cough allergy thing of death that I've had since I was like a wee little child. And it drives Lori nuts. In fact, I think it was, it was last week. She sent me another theory on like, is this maybe what it is? I'm like, uh-huh. It doesn't really quite sound right, but I don't know. Like she's, she's going to figure it out one of these days. Uh, so help her. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here I'm like, uh, I've had it since I was five. It's fine. Whatever. I feel like we could all use Jesus to show up in that capacity. And I think the place where he wants to start is internally at minimum. I don't know how to control the whole miracle thing. Once again, not Benny Hinn. But I do know Jesus will show up and do that internal healing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Mission Ridge Church. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. We are a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come join us for worship. Service times, location, and loads of other fun stuff can be found on our mobile app or our website. You can find our mobile app by searching for Mission Ridge Church in your app store. Our website can be found at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in.